Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, and Jamie Eisner. Got a lot to get into. Uh, week 10 was a very interesting week across the NFL. I guess what happens when you say you have figured stuff out is that the NFL comes back to bite you in the ass and remind you that we really don't know anything because a lot of teams that we thought were kind of separating themselves at this point of the year all lost. And November is that time where we usually start to see this separation. And we're not really seeing that, at least in a couple of cases. And so there's a lot to there's a lot to get into here, right? There's a lot of parity in the league right now. There's a lot of teams that feel like they still have a chance to, to mix it up and make the postseason. And that's really exciting because that means we're in a position where this is going to be meaningful football up until the very end. And that is very exciting for all of us, right? Absolutely. I mean, look, I'm the one that said it two weeks ago. Man, I really feel like after a solid week of picking games, I feel like I know what's going on. I don't know jack, apparently, because we've had two really bad weeks in a row, bunch of upsets, a lot of injuries, teams that need to kind of settle in and get back to what they were doing early in the season. Teams we thought were good early, I think are going to end up being pretty bad. It'll be interesting as we go through these to talk about some of this. Yeah, and I think it keeps up with the theme we've been talking about all year where there's just a lack of world beaters in the league. I remember last year we were complaining, at least I was, that it felt like there were people were talking about parity, but it was really parity among the top three or four teams in the league, and then everybody else was such a massive step down. This year, even the top teams in the league are have some significant flaws, and I know you know, this week was interesting because everyone's like, oh, this week proves the Patriots are going to win again. Well, the last time we saw the Patriots play, they got their doors blown off by a Baltimore Ravens team that also just blew somebody else's doors off this week in the matchup they should have. So I just think this is as wide open as I can remember it being in recent years where this might be like the NHL method for the NFL this year where just get into the playoffs and get hot and they, and you can win it all. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're telling me the Seahawks are the number one team after last night, I watched them play every play against the Buccaneers the week before. The Buccaneers were better. It was whoever won the coin toss is winning in overtime. I, and the Bucs are three and six. I, and Russell, Wilson, what, Russell Wilson's that good, but I don't know that they're that good. And that's kind of the point, right? That And that's kind of how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be this way. We're supposed to... We're supposed to get all of these good games, all of these close matchups, and it feels good, honestly, to go into Week 11 knowing I can't say with full certainty that I know who's going to make the postseason, that I know who's going to lock up the one seed, that I know who's going to be the best team in the NFL. And that's exciting because that means the next few weeks are going to be meaningful football and that obviously has has a lot to do with what we're going to talk about. So let's get into these games. We'll start off with a game that I was obviously very pleased uh, to see the Chicago Bears get a victory, twenty to thirteen final score. Uh, obviously, you know the stuff that's going on with Matthew Stafford is a little concerning, right? There's an actual investigation into the Detroit Lions and whether or not they mismanaged this this issue with Matthew Stafford's back. Um, you know, I, I feel for Stafford because it seems like he's one of those guys I feel has never been able to really get a fair shot because of the injuries and the coaching changes and all that stuff. And and it seems like this year it's going to be more of the same for Stafford with another injury. Uh, Jake, what are your takeaways here? Yeah, and that's a great point. I mean, we've all always been high on Stafford. That dude has immense talent. They, they haven't been able to put anything around him 
to make a complete complementary team. They've had good offenses while he's been there. And don't be surprised if they screwed this up and they get fined. I mean, Patricia comes from New England. Everybody gets away with it in New England, or Bel- Belichick does. If they announced it too late, they didn't put it on the injury report. How do you have a broken bone in your back and you don't know about it till Sunday morning? They knew earlier, like something's going to come out that they didn't report it on time. But other than that, I mean, it was a hell of a win for the Bears. Trubisky was better, three touchdown passes. They didn't run it great against a really good matchup and the number one matchup for Montgomery from a fantasy point of view. But it was a solid win to bounce back against the Bears. You're playing a backup quarterback in the division with Stafford out. It's a damn sure one you should get, and they did. Yeah, and again, look, all, all wins count the same, and it really matters here. Look, if you're a David Montgomery owner, I know you're unhappy with the final result, but you got to trust the process here. 17 more carries. They are leaning on him a lot more than they were earlier this year. That's what you really wanted to see. Obviously, again, 60 yards was his total on the ground. Not ideal, but that's still the message you want to see. He's still going to be a low-end RB2 going forward. Allen Robinson got his in this game. 6 for 86 always does. A guy that's kind of been sneaking up a little bit the last couple weeks is Taylor Gabriel. Catches a touchdown in this game. Again, not a must-add, but somebody in really deep leagues, particularly if you're in 14-team leagues or greater, that somebody that's worthy of being on your bench has had three pretty solid games back-to-back-to-back now. He seems to be that other option wide receiver. It's not going to be Anthony Miller. On Detroit side, Ty Johnson gets hurt in this game. They're running out of running backs. Like, they Mm -hmm. really are. Uh, It looks like J.D. McKissick's going to be the guy to get the majority of the workload, probably a flex play this week. Paul Perkins might be the other guy to get some carries, but – it's just a mess. I don't want any part of the Detroit backfield. Jones and Galladay were pretty good again here, uh, which is good to see with Driscoll because they might have to have a couple weeks of him as a starting QB. Yeah, they're probably going to need to to have him for a few weeks. And he did a you know pretty de- decent job out there getting going, but the running back room there is obviously a big concern for that team. And without Matthew Stafford, a, a team that we thought looked better than we expected might now end up kind of record-wise where we kind of all had them because of the injuries and issues that they're dealing with. Uh, next game we're going to talk about here, the Baltimore Ravens, 49-13. to Listen, Lamar Jackson is feeling himself. There was a moment in this game where he did a spin move on a, I think it was a 79-yard run for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And I think I watched that play like seven times back because it looked like something I would be able to do in Madden, but not in real life. And it's he is, he is at a, a point now where he's entered this conversation with Russell Wilson for the MVP because of the numbers he's putting up, the way his team is playing, and two back-to-back. Obviously, the Cincinnati Bengals are not the New England Patriots, but you play only who you can, and they beat the doors off this team. It was never close. It was never in question. And Lamar Jackson's well on his way to at least being in that conversation for MVP. Jake, your takeaways here. Lamar Jackson is leading the conversation for who finishes second behind Russell Wilson, but it ain't close to getting in the conversation of having it with Russell Wilson at this point. That's the greatest run by a quarterback in NFL history, except the one Michael Vick did against the Minnesota Vikings in the playoffs. And the only reason Vick's was better is because it was in the playoffs to win a game in overtime. That run was absolutely ridiculous. That spin move, hit the Jets, take off. He's playing at an extremely high level. I still have concerns with their receiver group. Moving forward into November, December, getting the playoffs, especially if teams see them a second time. But, man, they look good. The Bengals suck, and they took advantage of it in the division and just blew them out. Put a 49 on anybody in the NFL is hard. I don't care how bad they are. And the Buffalo started a couple times this year. Yeah, like when they're supposed to beat the crap out of somebody, they do. That's impressive because it's not easy to do. It's not easy to get guys up every week, especially after a huge victory 
on Monday night against first New, Sunday night against New England. That was like a franchise defining moment for these young guys on this team that weren't haven't been a part of these Super Bowls. To get back up the next week and blow somebody's doors off, really, really impressed. Look, if you want, if somebody came to me and they said the Baltimore Ravens were their Super Bowl favorite, I couldn't put a compelling argument to say why they're not. Uh, it's amazing how far this team has come in a year. Because think about a year ago, we're talking about John Harbaugh being fired, what the future is for this team, Flacco being done, them not having enough weapons on this team. And Lamar Jackson has really been just a treat to watch this year. I mean, he, he's so exciting to watch. He has a real strong chance at finishing as the number one overall fantasy quarterback this year. I think it would be an upset if he doesn't at this point, especially with his rushing yards. You know, look, he has progressed some as a passer. He still has more to go, and I think having some more weapons will be. They have a bu- they have a bunch of weapons that are okay. Yeah, they don't have anybody that I think were, are would make. I don't think they have anybody that makes Lamar Jackson better on a game to game basis. And that's I something agree. that they're going to need to find uh, in future drafts or in free agency. But but they can find that. But give Lamar Jackson a lot of credit. There, were, I was one that was looking, seeing, eh, you know what? Let me see him do it again. Let him see you do it in that second year. Give John Harbaugh a lot of credit for coming up with a way to full defenses in for a second year when a lot of people thought, hey, look, this is more gimmicky. This, they're going to get stopped. They got absolutely shellacked in that playoff game. John Harbaugh came back and made adjustments. Lamar Jackson came back and made adjustments, and they're a really exciting team to watch right now. Uh, from a fantasy perspective, good to see Hollywood Brown get above that 50-yard mark again, I think, for the first time since week two. Uh, he's a boomer plus play. Like he's hurt. He's uh, his foot injury is still injured. I believe he has like a, a thigh injury. Like he's all banged up. I kind of want to see him next season if he's healthy. What he could probably do in this offense, but it is good to see him boom occasionally here. Mark Andrews gets in the end zone twice. Mark Ingram's a fun case for fantasy because a lot of times you just don't really need him in a lot of these games. Like he hasn't been bad. They're just. They get up so big, and they give him like nine or ten carries, and that's really about it. Uh, on the Cincinnati side of things, really good to see the volume come back for Joe Mixon. Yep. That's the second game above 20-plus touches. He had 30 carries in this game. Wanted to see how he was used with Zach Taylor going to a rookie quarterback, seeing what they were going to do coming out of the bye. Uh, I think that's really encouraging going forward that Joe Mixon got 30 carries in this game. Uh, Tyler Boyd in a really tough matchup. Did okay. Six for 62. That's about as best as you can expect uh, against Marlon Humphrey and company. Uh, I believe they have the Raiders next week in a game that should have a ton of fantasy points. So uh, it might have been a down week for most non-Joe Mixon Bengals, but they should bounce back again next week. Another thing to note here on football-wise, that Marcus Peters trade, and I'm not talking about the touchdowns and that kind of stuff. He had a pick six and had another touchdown this week. You throw Marcus Peters, a solid veteran guy that could play man, play zone, across from Marlon Humphreys with Jimmy Smith back healthy, Brandon Carr back healthy, that defense was – they were holding it together with that secondary being banged up. With all those guys healthy, and they can play man and blitz as much as they do, like watch out if, all, if that secondary stays healthy. Because now that defense, even though they don't rush the passer great from the ends, they blitz a ton. But, I mean, that's four legit cover corners. Jimmy Smith's size alone is a matchup nightmare because you could bring him in and maybe play in the slot or on some tight ends. They're going to be able to do some really creative stuff. That Marcus Peters trade is turning out to be awesome. Yeah, and he's played really well in Baltimore. I think the pressure of not having to be the star corner on the team like he was in L.A. for a little bit, he's starting to play like he did a lot more in Kansas City. Yeah, 
And he, the, that team looks unbelievable. And seeing Lamar Jackson sitting on the sideline with those sunglasses on was uh, probably my new favorite meme that exists other than the uh, the Dak gif and uh, Nick Bosa doing the mocking Dak Prescott, which we'll get yeah, Nick Bosa takes the cake. That was just awesome. Yeah, that I love your tweet. He's becoming a legend before our eyes. Yes, premium trolling experience happening on uh, Monday Night Football. Uh, the Buffalo Bills go on the road to play the Cleveland Browns, and really for the Cleveland Browns uh, to to they had to have this win, right? They just had to have this win, and and Buffalo had their opportunities to 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 win this football game and couldn't get it done. But at the end of the day, Cleveland gets a victory and a much needed one. Jake, what were your thoughts on this one? Ugly. Yeah. Ugh, my thoughts are ugly. This game was ugly. The Bills had a chance to kick a 50-plus yarder. Hauschka just barely missed it in a windy day. Uh, but the Bills, I mean, look, the Browns, I, I, ugly. I don't even know what to say. Like, neither one of them are that good. The Bills, I, I told you I read that stat in the next-gen stuff when they were 5-1. and one. It was the most overrated 5-1 and one team in the history of the NFL, or the worst 5-1 and one team. They're not any better now. Like, they're not any good. It doesn't tell me that the Browns, they, they got to win. And that's about it. I mean, there wasn't like anything magical happened. Baker tried to throw it away late, but it was like a little shovel pass and not a fumble that they gave up for a touchdown. It, it was just an ugly game, like ugly. The Bills' defense is solid. That's my, my, my takeaway. They only gave up whatever it was, 16 points, whatever it was, but it's it was just ugly. Yeah, it was. But I think the biggest takeaway here is that Kareem Hunt's going to have a significant role in this offense. Yes, he is. Uh, he got I mean, some- he had a ton of carries, but I think I, I agree with you there. Yeah, I mean, he look, he did. I have, I have a couple stats on this, and this is going to actually go up uh, tomorrow on Sports Illustrated. So you guys are going to get a little bit of a sneak peek here about this, about um, Kareem Hunt. So it, obviously, Chubb still played the majority of the snaps. Uh, you know, Chubb out snapped in 57 to 38. Uh, but the thing I like the most is they used them together on 28 snaps in that game out of 70. That's going to be interesting to me because I think there's a lot of value in them using both those backs at the same time. Kareem Hunt is still. Aside, off the field issues aside, is still a supremely talented football player. Absolutely. And it's been a while since we've seen him, and that's understandable, but he's going to have a role. And actually, in full PPR leagues, outscored Nick Chubb in this game. Uh, obviously, you're still playing Chubb every week. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not worried about him, but his upside is capped a little bit if some of these touches are going elsewhere. Uh, I think it's also the week we need to officially, and I finally made this move, we need to stop ranking Odell Beckham over Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry is still going to be the most productive receiver in this offense this season. Uh, I, I won't speak to two years from now or a year down the road if he's still on the team, but whatever it is. But Jarvis Landry is being way more productive, and he has been all season. Nine for 97 and a touchdown. Um, on the Buffalo side of things, you're, you're getting this really solid like flex play floor from John Brown every mm-hmm. single week. Yep. You know, five for 77 here. Really just, it, just a good, solid play. You stick into your lineup. It's going to get you you know, 11, 12, 13 fantasy points. Maybe he catches a touchdown and has you a big game at some point, but he's been really solid. Uh, Cole Beasley, again, if a desperate option off your waiver wire, dude's just going to get you like 10 points every single week. Like, you just know what you're going to get. You're not going to get a huge performance, but four for 74 here. Uh, I'm not off the Devin Singletary train yet. I know he only got eight carries in this game, but he looked good in those carries. I want to see another week. I, I moved him way up in my rankings lat after two weeks ago. I'm still on board. I, I I didn't think this was the greatest matchup. I wish they would have given give it to him a little bit more. I'm still on board for Devin Singletary. And I believe – do they have the Dolphins this coming week? I think they do. I yes, they do. So that's a really good matchup to get ready. So don't don't freak out that Devin Singletary didn't have the big game when everybody expected him to. 
Yeah, the, the, the next game we're going to get into here uh, was the surprise of the weekend for me. Uh, the only thing that I thought might happen is, listen, this is a rivalry game. Anytime teams, even when teams are struggling play, they usually play each other tight. They, they, Atlanta was coming off a bye. They had a, a little bit of more opportunity to try and regroup here. But never would I ever think that I would see a game in this point of view at this point in the season where the Atlanta Falcons just dismantled the New Orleans Saints. I mean, they had, I watched the entirety of this football game. It was never in doubt for Atlanta. The New Orleans Saints never got anything going, and Atlanta gets a 26-9 victory here. They're obviously not in the, hey, if they get it going, the, the NFC has way too many, game, way too many good teams. But, and their schedule's brutal. Yeah, and their schedule's brutal, but... How concerning is this loss for you, Jake, from the New Orleans Saints perspective? Because what we have talked about is how crucial it will be for that team to play at home in the postseason. And now all of a sudden, Seattle gets a big victory. You know, obviously San Francisco's still up there. What are your thoughts on on the impact of this loss and, and how worried are you? I mean, look, Teddy Bridgewater and the Saints went up to Seattle and won, so they got the tiebreaker there. But I'm concerned. I mean, this is uh, – we just talked about them being the best team in the NFL, the most well-rounded. They can run it. They can throw it. They stop the run. Uh, their passing game is really good. Lattimore gets hurt in this game, and Julio gets a 54-yard, I think, completion right after that. It'll be interesting. They say he's week to week, but a hamstring on a speed guy, we talk about all the time, they can linger. Uh, that one will be really interesting. I'm concerned. I mean, this was a beatdown by a team that's awful. You're both coming off a bye in the division. Now, we said that the, the spread on this game was beyond absurd. So I guess Jamie and I technically win the lock, that it, would, it wasn't going to cover, even though the pick we we said the Saints were going to win. Um, but, my God, like, they beat the crap out of them. I mean, Mike Thomas still got his, but other than that, nobody did anything for the Saints. And it wasn't like Julio and Ridley went off. They just, like, they just beat them. They were just better, at which I was, I was shocked. In New Orleans – that game always comes down to three points. I said that the other day. It's kind of like Pittsburgh and, and, and Baltimore. But it wasn't that close. Like, they just beat the crap out of them. They physically beat the crap out of them, which hasn't happened to the Saints in a couple of years because they've been a very physical team for a while. It was a strange game because if you were watching it, you kept waiting for the counterpunch by the Saints. You kept waiting, and they kept getting opportunities, and they just never did anything at any point in this game. Uh, my concerns with them, I mean, look, this is a bad game, and the Saints have, have a history, especially late in the season, of just laying these complete eggs out of nowhere. Uh, but the concern is, I mean, Lattimore being out, which, again, again, note the, the designation there. It wasn't day-to-day, it was week-to-week, which tells you it's going to be a, almost likely a multi-week issue. That secondary is very bad without him. Like, without him on the field, I think that's a major liability for this team, and they play in a division with offenses that can put up points. Yes, so this is going to be something that they're going to have to pay attention to. They play they play one this week that could be yeah. interesting. They absolutely do. So, I mean, they stopped the run really well. But if teams are going to just beat them over the top, it's going to hurt them like it's hurt Tampa this year, where it's the same deal, where teams will just stop running against you because they know they can throw over the top. But, uh, look, it was a bad game for everybody that wasn't named Michael Thomas, who is, if it's not the unanimously ranked number one receiver going into next season, then we all are doing something wrong in the fantasy football industry. <laughs> this guy just puts up numbers everywhere at all times. I believe he has the most receptions ever through the first four years of a career. Yeah, that was the yep. that popped up. Uh, he's just with, with with seven games to go. Yes, he's just he's just been amazing. He put, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. Uh, Taysom Hill could get him ten catches in a game if they they started him for some reason. <laughs> uh, bad game for Kamara. Bad game for Murray. Um, I expect them to bounce back again. They're not going to run on Tampa next week, but I expect Alvin Kamara, at least in the passing game, uh, to have a much more effective game. 
For the Falcons, it looks like Devontae Freeman's going to miss multiple weeks with a with a foot sprain. Uh, Brian Hill's going to be the guy there who I have as an RB2 uh, on the TDN fantasy rank. I like him. 6'1", 220, catches it well. Like, it's a very different back than Devontae Freeman being in the game for them. Absolutely. He's going to get his opportunity. I mean, it's going to be him and, like, Kenyon Barner. So uh, he's going to get the opportunity next week. I, I like him a lot. Uh, other thing of note, Austin Hooper. Looks like he might miss some significant time with his injury, so kind of keep an eye on that. Otherwise, like, look, you're, you're starting Julio every week, but he's just not going to be this world-beating receiver that he's going to be. Disappointed we didn't get a bigger game from Calvin Ridley. I thought this was the opportunity for him to have that bigger game. Uh, Matt Ryan was fine. Uh, just just fine. So, I mean, yeah. it is kind of what it is. But keep an eye on the injuries here because Brian Hill, I, it, it, I think, is going to be a borderline top 10, 20 running back this week. Okay, so the battle for New York that happens in New Jersey. Uh, the crosstown battle for two teams that play in the same place. Yes, the, the crosstown uh, cross rivalry. The crosstown okay. rivalry where they both they both play in East Rutherford, New Jersey. The cross-station uh, cross rivalry. <laughs> cross rivalry. Yeah, I had a good laugh over the branding around this game. Listen, two bad teams, two and eight, now two and seven New York Jets, but the Jets get a victory, thirty-four to twenty-seven. Uh, I think the most frustrating part for me in this one is watching Saquon Barkley's talented self not get the ball routinely um, and just every once in a while we'll get involved in the passing game and you get excited by it, but then they won't go back to it. Um, And I think the Daniel Jones excitement train, needless to say, uh, at least from a social perspective I've seen is went from on the train to completely off the train and would love your thoughts on that, Jake, to to what you're seeing now from from Danny Dimes, if we still want to call him that. I think Danny Dimes is going to be fine. He's a rookie. He's going to have ups and downs. I don't like the play calling. I don't like the game plan that they put in for him. When you have the the best running back in the fo- in football, period, you don't have to give it to him 40 times, but everything needs to go through him. Run it so you can set up the play action. Take a little heat off of Danny Dimes. Their receiving core is playing fine, even with Ingram out. But they're just like going drop back pass it, acting like Danny Dimes is a four-year veteran pro bowler. He's not. Help the kid out a little bit. Like I didn't like their game plan at all. Uh, their defense gave up 34 points. I mean, th- I, this game was, was shocking. Where the Jets couldn't do anything, even though they were back at home or road, whatever it was. They were in their home building. Uh, Darnold, Darnold played good. He played really good. Crowder with another solid day. Uh, I just I – just, there's two bad teams, and the Giants, when they turn it over and their game plan did not help Danny Dimes at all, they looked like a bad team. The Jets stepped up and won one they needed to. I mean, they've been embarrassed and embarrassing for weeks, and now they stepped up and played a better game. And that's a big win for them in New York. I guess it's a big deal to win that in a high-scoring game. They get to take over the media for a week. So here's the thing. I think we've reached that point. We talked about coaches that are under fire what's the level of concern here with Pat Shermer and his job moving forward? Because None. it's zero. Zero. Okay. It's the Maris. It's the Maris. It's year two. Yeah. It's, it's now I, it pains me to say, but James Betcher on that defense could be the scapegoat here when it shouldn't be. They don't have any players. They should keep the The one great thing about the giants. They're a lot like the Steelers. They've kept it through, through tough times where everybody else fires guys. They've kept people together and kept building rosters and they started winning games. Hopefully that's the case. Pat Shermer's not in any danger at all, period. Uh, some guys on that coaching staff could be. But I don't think Shermer in year two is in any danger at all. When you made the switch and finally switched from Eli to a rookie who looked great at times. Yeah. And Saquon's been hurt and Ingram's in and out. I, I, I think they – I don't think they're that upset with, with – unless there's, unless there's stuff going on behind the scenes that we don't know about 
how he treats people in the building. They need to get this guy out of town, which I can't imagine that's the case because Pat's a pretty nice guy. Um, I, I had zero concern. Yeah, I mean, maybe if a year from now they're still in this, have the same similar record in the 2020 season, we'll talk. But yeah, I, I, don't, I don't imagine that there's there's going to be noise because it's New York. But yeah. I don't think there's going to yeah. be any real chance. Uh, I think Saquon's hurt. Uh, clearly, he came back too early. Uh, too early. Look, he has, he's averaging two yards a carry over the last three games. He yeah. had one carry, one yard on thirteen carries in this game. Uh, it, it's he just looks a little different. Again, he had he had a high ankle sprain, an injury that was estimated to be a maybe a, up to a six week injury. He comes back after missing three games. Yeah, I'd shut him down. And again, look good against the Cardinals in that return, but I, I, I just think he's hurt. Like he doesn't look like himself. I don't think he's lost his talent. I don't think. I just don't think. No, God no. I don't think he trusts himself. And I don't think they trust him. Uh, at this point, just because of of that injury, uh, huge breakout game for Darius Slayton here with ten for one twenty one and two scores. Uh, he's someone to watch because I'm of the opinion that Sterling Shepard has played his last snap of the 2019 season. I think he needs to go away for a while. Yeah, him and Brandon Cooks both in that same concussion category. I think they both might get shut down by their teams and doctors. And and they should look. The Giants aren't playing for anything right now. You're dealing with with a brain injury. He had two concussions in a four week span that had a setback already. There's, there's no need to rush him back on the field right now. Shut yourself down at this point, dude. Like, yeah. like stop. Just say I'm not going back out there. I'm not right. I'm no. Put me on IR. Yeah, and, and like it's it, your life we're talking about. There's a lot of life after football. Yes, man. there is. Just dealing with absolutely. It's, it's, it's just sad to see. And look, Darius Slayton's going to get these opportunities. Evan Ingram's injury could linger beyond the bye week they have this week. So someone to kind of, again, he's probably going to be the most added player mm-hmm. uh, on the waiver wire this week. But someone that I think is worth having uh, on the Jets side of things. The number two receiver for the New York Jets is Demarius Thomas, and it's not Robbie Anderson, and it's about time everybody starts paying attention because it's not going to be Robbie Anderson this season. Demarius Thomas is a perfectly serviceable guy to have at the last spot of your bench that you can go and throw him in, get you 9, 10, 11 points. Uh, he has six catches in this game. Crowder's an every week start. like He absolutely is. And if you're in a full-point PPR league, he's probably a wide receiver two every single week, even after the bye weeks. Uh, you were hoping for a bigger game from Le'Veon Bell. He does get in the end zone here, so it, it salvages his day. But just kind of keep an eye on his injury. Uh, if, if you have him and you invested high in him, you might need a goal and pick up Bilal Powell. You might just say, look, the Jets have a fairly pretty easy schedule the rest of the way. I just need to have a monopoly on the Jets' backfield if I invested in Bell. Um, and then one last Giants note, Dan Jones just has to stop fumbling. Once he stops fumbling, I think people will look at him completely differently. Uh, I, I expect that's something that they're going to focus heavily on in the offseason, of him protecting the football in the pocket and outside the pocket. Yeah. Game planning can help a lot of that, though. I mean, like, he definitely has to protect it better, but he's under too much duress because yeah. there's no play action. Saquon's hurt and they're not running it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they handle Saquon. I know that it mentioned, um, I saw that over the weekend, that he was questionable moving into this week. So I think it would make sense for them to, to look at putting him, shutting him down, uh, or at least shutting him down for enough that he gets to be fully healthy. Because that's that's the guy you went all in for. Uh, yes. when And arguably, you know, you could argue made a wrong decision or not, but you can't afford to ruin an asset like that. You just can't. He has some extra time this week with the bye. But, I mean, again, I, I know Giants fans are going to hate this comparison for obvious reasons, but that that's your Dak-Zeke combo that you're hoping is going to lead your offense into the future. You invested those high draft capital I mean, in both of the, in both of those guys, in Jones and Saquon Barkley. You're not competing for anything this year. I'm not saying they say they have to shut him down. I'm just saying they have to be cautious with him. And yeah. if, if that injury is lingering – if he misses a game, so what? What are you going to do? You're going to finish four and twelve instead of five and eleven? Yeah, like, you're not making the, the post, what's, yeah. what's the end game here? Yeah. Exactly. 
Go back to what I said in your game plan. Wayne Gallman's going to dress and be out there and is very serviceable. Give him a few carries. Give him a few catches and put Saquon in when you need him. When he's going to run the ball, when you're going to run a screen, limit the touches, but give him the, you know, give him the ability to get out in space and quit the, I'm going to run him right up the gut 13 times for one yard. Like that, the game plan was not very serviceable to have Saquon hurt and a rookie quarterback at all. Yeah, it didn't make any sense. It was very frustrating to watch, and hopefully they... And they still put up 27 points. Yeah, which is crazy, because I think if they adjusted a few things, they probably would be able to to make some some good things happen for the Giants, but we'll see what happens in the future. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers get a big victory, 30-27 to against the Arizona Cardinals. The uh, Bruce Arians revenge game, or whatever storyline you wanted to run into this one. Uh, good to see the Buccaneers get to play a home game, because Man, they, it feels like they've been on the road forever. Uh, I'm sure Bruce is happy to be back home. Probably the most entertaining part of this game was uh, Bruce throwing a, an extra red flag afterwards because just to prove a point with the referees. And, man, oh, man, I hope your dad never changes, Jake, because I was so entertained by that. And I know I saw Tyron Matthews talking about it. Um, just just funny to, to prove a point with the referees. And I don't know if you guys noticed this, but during Monday night's broadcast, there was a lot of conversation around good plays by the referees, right? There- oh, I yes, I noticed the hell out of it. I, I wondered- And two of the ones he pointed out were garbage. Yes, I wondered if you guys picked up on it like I did because I was like, I know the NFL called ESPN and said, guess what you guys need to do? You need to start promoting all of the good refereeing that's happening in this game. And I'm sitting back going, yeah, you guys aren't very, uh, you're not very inconspicuous because this is pretty easy to figure out. I'm guessing other people picked up on it as well. So, um, Jake, let's talk about this Tampa-Arizona game, though, and and what you saw because I know you were there live. Well, I'll, I'll touch on the officials. Third week in a row, the Buccaneers have had a fumble blown dead. And had to throw a challenge to review it and won. One of them cost in the game. The officiating was horrendously bad in this game again. Now, moving on. Shout out to Mike Evans. Youngest player in NFL history to get to 7,000 receiving yards. Broke Larry Fitzgerald's record with Larry on the other sidelines. I thought that was a pretty cool little note. And Mike is 72 yards from his sixth consecutive 1,000-yard season to start a career. Only other guy to do it, Randy Moss. So can we please put Mike Evans in the superstar category that he deserves to be in? Dude had an awesome game and is phenomenal. A couple of catches. He didn't have a monster game, but a couple of the catches he had were spectacular. And then he had a couple of huge pass interference calls where the guys just, just took him down. Um, huge win for the Bucks. Another shout-out, Jamel Dean, who got torched the week before but had four pass breakups. It found out 15 minutes before the game he's going to have to start. Is the number one graded pro fantasy football uh, defensive player of the week at 95.5. Gave up one catch for negative two yards, had a pick, and a, two pass breakups. In his second, not, not even his first start because he didn't start. Like, d- unbelievable how this, this young secondary came around and played. Kyler Murray in person is a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Christian Kirk healthy is a lot of fun to watch. Andy Isabella is a lot of fun to watch. This Cardinals team is going to be fun to watch. They keep adding pieces to go along with what they have going on. Um, big win for the Bucks. I mean, this offense is rolling. Ronald Jones had a huge day and then fumbled with nobody hitting him late, so they took him out. Uh, but leads the team and catches with eight. That could be a really interesting thing moving forward if he's going to catch it that well. A lot of screens. Um, and they made enough plays to win the game. I mean, this Cardinals team is definitely not one of the bottom four teams in the league after watching them play live in person. Definitely not. They got a lot of talent on that team that I did not expect to see watching them play at a lot of team speed. So it was, a, like I said, a huge game for the Bucks. Godwin got his. Jones is, I 
going to be more and more every week, depending on that, that fumble. Uh, Mike Evans, OJ Howard. Oh my God. There's OJ Howard sighting played really good. Went up, made some freaking plays, had a touchdown. Uh, but was part of the game plan, but he's been part of the game plan all year. Just opened up to him. And the, and the Cardinals haven't covered a tight end all year. So you kind of knew that was going to happen. But, uh, look, he never, dad never lost three straight in a row in five years in Arizona. That was four in a row here in Tampa. So the revenge game is BS. They needed to get a damn win and they did. I saw that weird stat that this is only like the third Buccaneers home game since week 13 of last year. Yeah. Like something yeah. crazy like that. Uh, you know, from the Bucs standpoint, I'm holding Jake personally responsible for them winning and then not covering. So that's his fault somehow. I don't know. <laughs> decided yeah. that. Uh, look, uh, it was the Rojo game. That was a big, big takeaway in terms of the passing game from him. Uh, more catches in this game, eight than he had all season uh, combined coming into it. So if, if that is an added element to his game going forward, Huge. that's going to be significant for fantasy owners. Uh, obviously, the fumble is disappointing because then Peyton Barber got the goal line work in the game-winning goal line touchdown. Uh, they also have a tough match, tough matchup with a really good run defense in New Orleans next week. So it's not the easiast game to go back-to-back there. But uh, still really encouraging to see him. A lot of people were higher on him. The tide has turned a little bit for him. If he can hold on to the football uh, and be effective in the passing game, he's going to be a very valuable asset down the stretch. Uh, you know, Jake already keeps uh, plenty of praise on Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard. Uh, on the Cardinal side of things... By the way, Jameis Winston, another really solid yeah. game. So if a bad pick on the first drive, he just believes that much in Chris Godwin. And Byron Murphy made a hell of a play undercutting it, but had a really, really good game again. The game-winning drive that started on the 10-yard line, he threw a seam pass. Go back and look. Go back and find it if you're listening to this. If you're, if you're a Jameis hater or you question his talent, this is the stuff that makes you go, oh, dear God, that, that was special. Like It was an unbelievable throw. He played really, really good again. He absolutely – it's so funny watching Jameis closely. Everything he does is like – you change your opinion 18 times in a game. I know. Yes, you do. It, it, it's, he's like a remarkable player in so many different ways and the ways he does things. I heard the greatest this, – this, I'll, I'll jump off the subject for a minute. You guys will love this. So I heard the greatest analogy of Jameis ever at halftime. Somebody was just – and they're like, he's that girlfriend in college that you know you need to get away from but you can't stop calling. And then you finally talk yourself into it and you see her at her party in a mini skirt and go, Oh damn, maybe just one more try. <laughs> and I was like, that's, that's pretty damn good. That's, that's that is- I personally think it's a little better than that, but I was like, I got to share that. That's hilarious. That is hilarious. And listen, I've, I watch Jameis live now and I can personally attest to watching the, Oh my God throws followed by, I cannot believe yeah. he just did that. Right. Like it's the, that, the disparity between those is getting better, though. Like, I've seen the growth definitely through the first, you know, nine games, ten weeks. But I, I see, like, it's, I think the, the rest of the year will be very, very telling because I see those two things getting farther and farther apart. But you're definitely right. They, they're still in every game. Listen, he put back-to-back good games on, on tape, right? He played really good against Seattle. He could have won and should have won probably that game. And then they get a victory. He played really good in Tennessee. Yeah. It's just the stat line was kind of skewed because the receiver screwed him up and he had the fumble when the center snapped on the wrong cadence. Yeah. But he played really good in that game too. Yeah, so definitely on a good little uh, a good little stretch here. Anything else you took away, Jamie? I was glad to see Kirk in the end zone. That was been the one thing he's been missing this year is, is those end zone catches because he's been really solid, solid. He's been a target monster this year. He's averaging nine targets a game. Dude can flat run. Yes, he can. When he's healthy. Him and Andy Isabella watching them live, they can flat run. When they are on the field, when they're both healthy, like they can really, really run. Like next, like Tyree Kill, they can run. Yes. And, and my last thought is that I think David Johnson really needs to be sat down for a couple of weeks. 
He will not. He will not be a cardinal next year. Well, no. I mean, look, I, 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 he needs to do enough that they can get something back for him. If you're a Cardinals fan, like you, you need to get some value back. That they don't just cut it. I said, good luck. Yeah. Good, I mean, good luck. Yeah. It, it's it's bad. He's. I mean, he's obviously hurt, but he looks washed. And this is, by the way, this is not a one week reaction. We were worried about this in the preseason. We talked about this on the show. Yeah. It's it's been a theme all year. Like this, uh, he's not startable. No, it's really forward. it's really unfortunate. Yeah. Um, no, because Kenyon Drake live looks pretty good too. Yeah, Kenyon Drake, the, obviously the more talented guy right now, and and probably going to continue in that direction. And good trade for them. And then Edmonds comes cool. back. Like that, yeah, yeah, yeah that, it's, it'll be. Yeah. Uh, okay. So another surprise of the weekend: the Kansas City Chiefs go on the road to Tennessee, and the Tennessee Titans get a victory, thirty-five to thirty-two. In the AFC's disparity that is kind of all over the place, Tennessee Titans now five and five, and Kansas City sitting at six and four with this latest loss. Mahomes in the game, obviously opportunity to win the football game or tie the football game up at the end, and a, and a blocked field goal. Uh, I did see a replay about a hundred times on social media, looking like Tennessee jumped off sides. But if you look very closely, it does look like. They he moved the exact same yeah, second. Yeah, it there. was the exact same second, and I know because he got there so early. It was just, it honestly was just a really, really athletic play, and he made a hell of a play to block that that field goal. Um, but Kansas City takes another loss here, Jake, and this one with Mahomes starting. Are you starting to get a little concerned about Kansas City? Because obviously they've lost three home games now. They lose this one, and they're sitting at 6-4, and four, and it's, you know, they're not going to be playing more than likely at home in the postseason now. No, that's too many losses. Jamie, look this up while I'm talking. Just find me Patrick Mahomes' stat line. I got you. And I'll talk about this game, and then you tell me what it was, and then tell me that they should have lost this damn okay. game. Kansas City's defense has been playing pretty good the last couple weeks, but they're terrible against the run. Derrick Henry went off. I watched this Tennessee team live when we, we did this game the other day. My analysis was I was not impressed. The defense did it with smoke and mirrors. Malcolm Butler went out with a broken hand. He's not playing. Kansas City's getting healthier. Sammy Watkins back. He's looking better. Tyree Kill. Mahomes comes back. The offensive line's getting a little healthier. The defense's been playing pretty solid. This is not a game Kansas City should have even been close to, and they end up losing because they, they couldn't stop the run. Tannehill didn't do anything until late. He had two touchdown passes. I had to play him in both leagues because Stafford went down like last minute. And he was solid. He had like 18.7 points, whatever it was, but he didn't have a big game. They're not that good. Like, it makes me believe that Kansas City, pretty fully healthy, is not that good. I don't think they're going that far. I am very concerned. When I was about to jump back on and say, okay, they're getting healthy. They're going to get it rolling. They're on the road, but this is a team they should go down there and handle because Patrick Mahomes did what, Jamie? What was the stat line? Well, he only threw for 446 yards and three touchdowns and no picks. <laughs> and they lost. Yeah. Something's wrong. Like that, that was I saw that, and I went, how in the hell did they lose this game? Because Derrick Henry ran for 188 and two touchdowns. Yeah. Not, not ideal, but Bad we did know that going into this season – that this defense was a big question mark, and we heaped some praise on them. But they've been playing better. They have, but this game was not better by imagination. It was terrible. And just, I mean, they have just crippling turnovers. Like, Mm -hmm. Damian Williams' fumble in this game was brutal after LaShawn McCoy's last week. Now, his load management, uh, you fumbled last week, so we're sitting your ass down game uh, (laughs) in this game. Uh, But, uh, look, my my takeaway from a fantasy perspective is that if you've held on to Damian Williams this whole time, and it's been a terrible season for you, everybody who drafted Damian Williams in the third round, myself included in our league because I had to at that point, uh, 
he looks like again. I'm not ready to proclaim that he's the guy again because Michelle McCoy is going to come back next week. But it's back to back weeks where he's got the volume, and which is really something you wanted to see. He got 19 carries in this game. Um, Tyreek Hill got 19 targets. 19. 19 targets in this game. Yeah. Went 11 for 157, a touchdown. Kelsey gets one. I know people are excited about the Miko Hardman. Like, he got one target. It was a 63-yard touchdown. I get it. And he always has a chance. To he, he just looked really fast. And next-gen stats say he's really, really fast. Sammy Watkins was a lot better than Miko Hardman in this game. Sammy Watkins came back and was And I would still much rather have Sammy Watkins on my team. Uh, big Der- we expected a big Derrick Henry game, and we got a monster Derrick Henry game here. You can run on the Chiefs. It's going to be a problem for them. I just the Chiefs just do not uh, do not seem like a special team. No, really don't. Even when Mahomes yeah. is playing at, at his special teams, don't they're superstar quarterbacks. Don't throw for four thirty and you get your doors blown off. Like they got beat up. Yeah, they got beat up. They got they got physically beat up and they lost. At the end of the day, you're gonna have to have a comp. You're gonna have you don't have to have an elite defense, but you have to have a competent defense, especially November, December, into January when the weather changes. You have to be able to play like that. And they just don't have the ability to do that. And, and I think that's going to be ultimately what holds this team back, especially as we you know, get into November, December, and start talking about playoff matchups and, and who they're going to have to go on the road to play. Uh, the Miami Dolphins and the Indianapolis Colts played, and the Miami got their second victory of the year, right? And that's all we need to say about this game. And they are now on a two-game winning streak. And my only thought here is if you've watched, if you thought Cincinnati and Miami were both tanking, you haven't watched both teams. Cincinnati on film looks much different than how the Miami Dolphins play football for Brian Flores. Uh, I, I think you you can question about whether or not Zach Taylor deserves to have a job going into the future. I don't think they're going to move on from him. But Brian Flores has his guys playing hard. They just have traded away a lot of assets to make sure that they can go into this draft. I think it's 13 picks to make sure that he gets his guys, he gets his quarterback, and and they have a future set up. But, man, they they play tough for him, and, and they get a victory against the Indianapolis Colts, who, like, again, the AFC, everybody's kind of in this middle of the pack with the exception of the Patriots and, and the Ravens. Uh, what were your takeaways in this, if any, Jake? Horrendous loss for the Colts. 11.5 point favorites at home. And there's a reason Brian Hoyer is a backup. He sucks when he has to start. When he goes in and doesn't know he's going to play, like last week at Pittsburgh, he's pretty solid. When he's the guy, I don't think he's ever had a good game. Like, go back and look when he's had to play for somebody. It was awful. Uh, Zach Pascal, nothing. Everybody's expecting him to have a big day. Look, Vernon Hargraves got cut from the Buccaneers today because he didn't play hard. Now, it wasn't one play that he loafed on. He has a history of doing it for the year. Brian Flores' guys, as you just said, we've, we've noted the last couple weeks, they're playing their asses off for him. You can, that'll take you a long way when you play – maximum effort on every play, even if the guys that are out there aren't that good. And they did, and they hit Indy in the mouth, and they got it done. They're getting coached up, and the guys that are out there aren't tanking. They're playing for their futures, whether it's in Miami or somewhere else. They hit Indy in the mouth, and it's time for Adam Vinatieri to be done. Adam, I love you. The goatest of goats of any position that football has. Be done, dude. I I can't watch you go out like this. It is breaking my soul. Not only the the misses, the makes are ugly as hell. Yeah, it's like it, it's so bad at this point. It's breaking my freaking heart because I love Adam as a dude, and he is literally at all positions. He's the greatest of all everything. Like the rest of them have Morton Anderson and Adam Vinatieri are not in the same conversation as the two greatest of all time. Where every other position you could talk about who's the greatest of all time. It's freaking Adam. He's the goatest of goats. Yeah. 
But be done, man. It's bad, and it cost them the game. It, it did. I think that's a good point because people might look at the score, and if they didn't watch this, they don't understand that Adam Vinatieri's missed extra point is what prevented them. They were in field goal range late in this football game. Yes, they yeah. were. They could not attempt to kick in a game a game tying field goal sent into overtime because they were down four points because of an Adam Vinatieri missed extra point. Yeah. Uh, so that, so you can make a, a six of the year. Yeah. Uh, let's make a direct correlation. Missed 11 kicks, man. Yeah. I mean, look, honestly, we're, we're three Adam Vinatieri misses, likely from three wins instead of yeah. losses for the Colts this year. I mean, it, it has been... You know, another thing that's worth noting on the Colts, too, is they've been really good, but they have the closest games of anybody this season, and they've won a lot of them. Their, their record could e- easily be, a, be flipped the other yes. way. But they've made a lot of plays to win games, and one of them was a 51-yarder by Vinatieri a couple weeks ago against Denver. Mm-hmm. But maybe they're not as good as we thought they were. Like, they, they play complimentary football, and Jacoby Brissett was playing well and not turning it over. Marlon Mack was running. Marlon Mack's not running as, as good. This offensive line's not playing as good. T.Y. Hilton's now out. The defensive front seven's still stingy, but they're not great. Maybe they're not as good as we thought they were because the Kansas City win, I think we hyped them up a little bit. Kansas City's not as good as we thought they were. No, I, I, you go back and really look at the whole body of work, and Indy's like, eh, okay, they could be three and seven, much be the seven and three. They're not as good as we thought they were, but they still get a ton of credit. I mean, look, Andrew Luck retires in the yeah. preseason. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, like, Jacoby Brissett's played his ass off. He's healthy. You see why Hilton's out there. They're still solid. They're That's what I mean. I mean, look, with, with the luck retirement, then Hilton missing time at two different points this year, and, you know, the rookie receiver that they're really high on missing time early and then missing time now. And, like, it's – look, if this team ends up with eight, nine wins, that's a hell of an accomplishment. But, no, I don't think it's a team that – Yes, it is. Whether they win the division or not, not a team I expect to do any damage long term. Uh, we told you Eric Ebron, Jack Doyle, we expected good games from them. They were the Colts' two best players. Uh, Brian Hoyer likes Jack Doyle. I, I don't know what to tell you guys. So if he starts next week, then that's somebody that is at least worthy of consideration for starting for you. Uh, again, wanted to see a bigger game from Marlon Mack, who was fine, but I feel like a lot of games this year, he's just been fine. Uh, Wait for him to take yeah. another step forward in his progression, and he hasn't really yet. Uh, and then Kalen Balazs had 24 touches and did literally nothing with him. He yeah, might be the worst skill position player in the NFL. He's very bad, and it will be a miracle if he ends up on an NFL roster in any capacity, I think, going forward after what he's put on film. It is, watch that game with Kyle Krabs, who's a Miami Dolphins fan, and my, oh my, it was entertaining to hear what he had to say about Kalen Balazs' performance, uh, not just this game, but in you know, it's, it's worth noting, Paige, for all the fans that listen to the show, like the NFL, you are three injuries from getting your ass kicked by the Dolphins. Yeah. Like, it, literally, the NFL is that close anymore that, like, you get three or four guys at the wrong positions that don't play, and the one of the bottom three teams in the NFL will come and hit you in the mouth and when they're playing that hard and beat you. Like, that's the great thing about the NFL. But the thing that I think very few fans pay attention to, they just think because their team's out there, they don't look at the, the injuries and going in, like, th- Wednesday, Thursday, Friday – it's that freaking close anymore. Like, especially when the Dolphins are playing that hard. They are playing hard with a bunch of nobodies, but those nobodies are playing their asses off. And when you can't play your guys and you're playing with nobodies, you can get beat. Yeah. So yeah, that's why I absolutely, and we do this every freaking year, and I hate it. I absolutely cannot stand it. It's one of the worst things in sports, this. Can the la- can Alabama or Clemson beat their last yeah. place NFL team? No. no. They would lose. Hell no. Nine touchdowns. It would be <laughs> a disastrous thing to watch. Like, it's it's just, not close. It. It's not close. The worst guy on an NFL roster is better than most, if not all, college football players. It's it's 
you can't, it's, don't say that. It's not, as somebody who just watched Alabama live, they need to worry about handling themselves in college football. And I'll just leave you, leave you with that, Alabama fans. Feel free to continue to troll me after I, uh. No, there was NFL guys all over that field, that you, the game you watched, but they ain't No, they, trust me, I saw a lot of the guys that are going to go in that first round, and quite a few of them got dusted by quite a few offensive players that were happening, in, that were playing in that game, so uh, let's talk about this next game, though, the Carolina Panthers go on the road to the Green Bay Packers, uh, Packers get a victory 24-16 to in this one. Listen, tough place to play. Lambo going in there, and I know there were some uh, officiating things that Carolina was upset about in this one. Uh, Jake, what were your takeaways here? They should be upset. I picked the Panthers to win. It was my upset of the week. A lot of the matchup stuff really, really dictated that. And what happened was Aaron Rodgers on third and 13 gets hit in the end zone, and they call a freaking personal foul rough in the passer, which it was not, on Gerald McCoy, and the Packers go down and get off, and they score. And that ends up being the difference in the game. Panthers coming down late, down by eight, and couldn't get it done. But it was a really close game. It's the first time I've ever picked against Aaron Rodgers at home. But they didn't look that great either. Like, Carolina's a really solid team. But that freaking call turned the tide. I'm not even sure what the other ones they were talking about, uh, Panthers fans. But that, that call specifically I watched and was screaming at it live. And I saw the flag come in, which Aaron Rodgers catches. And how cool is that? Give me a freaking break. They threw it right in his face. And, but that it was ridiculous. It was another bad call that directly defected the outcome of the game. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, it was just a weird game, for, weird game all around. From a fantasy perspective, uh, I think it solidified that one is going to see Devontae Adams look like he's all the way back now, uh, 7 for 118 in this game. I think we can safely say there's no other pass catcher on the Packers that you should be starting on a weekly basis. Not Allison, not Valdez Scanning, not Lazard, not Jimmy Graham, not any of these guys. Uh, and that scares me moving forward for them, by the way, from a football perspective. Like, Devontae Adams is great, but none of those guys have stepped up to be a two. They look like a one. And, and, that, and that's, a good, that's a good thing because we, we were waiting for the Valdez Scantlings or Allisons or somebody that was going to step up and, and just just the next man up. And be the Jordy Nelson. Right? Yeah. Be the two. And we you know, they don't have it. And that's something they're going to have to address. I mean, look, I mean, from a game-to-game basis the last two months, their second-best wide receiver is Alan Lazard, yeah. and that's a problem. Yeah. Like, they're going to have to address that at some point. I mean, they can't do it right now, but they're going to have to address that at some point uh, in, in the offseason. Aaron Jones gets in the end zone three times, gets the hat trick there. Again, a monster day for him. Again, lost in it because he didn't score. Jamal Williams had another solid day on the ground. Like he Again, he is somebody that is in flex territory on a weekly basis. Both backs are startable. Uh, McCaffrey, you know what? You know his deal. He just puts up points like it's easy. Uh, really strong game for DJ Moore. I think DJ Moore has a chance here to start to blossom into superstardom. He's got another really – he has a really strong matchup next week. He has six or nine for 120 here. Big bounce back game for Greg Olson, who's kind of been up and down most of the year. But, uh, look, I, I don't feel any worse about Carolina now even after that loss. I thought they hung with them fairly well, especially late. I think both these teams are pretty solid, and that just might be a difference of who gets the home game. Yeah, no, I would I would agree. Pretty evenly matched between those two teams, and good to see uh, Greg Olson have a little bit of a bounce back there. Uh, a team that I it's just mm. like the LA Rams, man. I I love being right. I love this, and I said at the beginning of the season the Seattle Seahawks would win this division, and that the LA Rams are going to take a big step back. And you know I'm petty, and I love bringing it up because this L.A. Rams team is not good. And they went on the road and played a backup quarterback in Pittsburgh. And, oh, by the way, Pittsburgh all of a sudden now is 5-4. and four, yeah, they're, and spot. they're in a playoff spot with a backup quarterback. So you want to talk about polar opposite situations, right? 
or you have one team with all the expectations who isn't suffering from a significant injury. It's not Jared Goff or any of these guys. that They lost freaking Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh, and this team is now 5-4 and four in a playoff position, and I am, like, astounded with what is happening with the Pittsburgh Steelers because, trust me, Mason Rudolph has been up and down to say the very best. So, Jake, your thoughts on this one because there's a lot of implications on both sides. I'm going to talk about the better offensive coordinator in this game, and it's Randy Fickner, not Sean McVay. He would, they wanted to run his ass out of town. He took the backup quarterback, and he put in game plans the last four weeks of what he does well. And it's dink and dunk, but Mason Rudolph's running the crap out of it. He's got a high completion percentage. They're getting first downs. They're running enough. They're play action off of that, and they're getting it done. They're playing complimentary football with their defense. He's getting a ton of turnovers. Sean McVay, who I love, you guys know, got a lot of credit for being a superstar when his offensive line played 95% of the snaps for two years in a row and they were the best in football. That offensive line sucks, and now they can't dial up anything that works. Todd Gurley can't get going at all. They're not even giving him the ball. They still got pieces, even with Brandon Cooks out, and they can't get it done. They got serious issues. It all, to me, it all points to that offensive line. Like they, their salary cap, with as much as they got tied up into four guys, I don't know how they're going to fix it without hitting some serious draft picks. But they're not going to be able to do anything in free agency. I, I really don't know what they're going to do. I don't know how this offensive line is going to get back to what it was when they were rolling. They're in the Super Bowl last year and looked like they were about to be really good for five or six years. And they're terrible. That offensive line is the reason why, and I don't know how they're going to And those draft picks are not going to come in the first round because they don't have one. No, because they ain't got one for They don't have one for a long time, and that's that's another issue. They went all in here. They got to pay Jalen Rand. Like, they they got a lot of issues here, and and I saw, and I tweeted, and I know you saw it, Jake, is because Colin Coward, who was driving that Sean McVay chain, tweeted out, and he's like, that the the genius card is up for Sean McVay. It's been revoked. revoked. And I quote tweeted and I said something about the fact that, remember how he was going to innovate and change the entire league, right? How people went out and if you shook his hand, you were going to get a head coaching job. Newsflash, people. That's not how the NFL operates. This isn't, Sean McVay did not change the NFL forever. Jake has said from the very beginning, they had a very, very good offensive line. And if you have a healthy, kept with chemistry, good offensive line with all those playmakers, guess what? You're going to have a lot of success in the NFL, period. And he did not change the entire league because that's not how the league works. Long-term, we're going to be to – Sean, To Sean's credit, he did. Maybe he didn't deserve yeah, to, but he did. he did. And he had a lot of success for those two years being boy wonder, beer boy genius. What, am I, what do I say all the time on this show, especially in the offseason? When you put stuff on tape, people yes. catch up. And when your offensive line's not playing to the level it's played at when Jared Goff has all day long to throw what you schemed up and who's not very good when you put pressure on him, you're not the same. Sean McVay had a hell of a two years. Nobody take anything away from that at all. And a bunch of guys got jobs because they wanted the next Sean McVay. The difference is nobody really broke it down and looked at what it was. He did a great job. And I, I'm a big Sean McVay lover and believer. I think he'd be a head coach for a long, long time. But a great offensive line fixes a lot of problems. And they had the best in football for two years that played together every game. I'm going to be fascinated long-term here because this is going to be the offseason where Sean McVay needs to adjust back. The league clearly adjusted to him and his system this year. And look, a lot of the off is the offensive line has been bad. Coming off a bye, by the way, Jamie, that's a great point. Like, one of my points the other day of why I liked them is you gave Sean McVay an extra week. And they looked yeah, bad. Yeah, they look bad. Goff looks like he's regressed significantly in year four. The offensive line has been bad. I mean, there's, there's no way around that, too. 
But that doesn't absolve Goff of making GCs. But, I mean, Goff looks like he did his rookie year again. Like, yes, he and, does. And, again, he's your guy. You paid him all that money. You don't have a choice now. Uh, but I want to see how Sean McVay adjusts back in the offseason. Okay, the league caught up to you, or you were you just a couple-year fad? Which, by the way, being a two-year fad is more than a lot of these guys get. A lot of times it's a one-year fad, and they yeah. immediately adjust to you. So give them credit for that. But was this a two-year fad, or was this something that, okay, now I have to go back to the drawing board and get even more creative than I did before if I want to be sustainable? So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, the other news that got lost in just – boom, they, they – I know it was a, a quote-unquote scheduled play or whatever they said it was, but they brought in Blake Bortles on third and short. They didn't get it. And they threw a Johnny Hecker yeah. on fourth and short to not get it instead of going with Jared Goff on those plays. So just just something to be aware of. If that was a scheduled play, I don't think it was. Uh, shockingly, a whole big goose egg for Cooper Cup in this game. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't buy any. I don't buy anything into that going forward. Just it, it, I don't even know how that's possible. I, I can't believe it. Zero. Nada for him. Um, another good game for Robert Woods, though. Gerald Everett continue, Gerald Everett and Josh Reynolds continue to have a role in this offense uh, when Brandon Cooks is out, which, again, I would not be surprised if that is a massive long-term injury. Again, why risk it? He's got a lot of – he's got a history of concussions as well, and, again, I don't think you need to push it. On the Steelers' side of things, uh, I'm kind of sort of a little bit buying into James Washington. Ah. I think he's somebody you should pick up. Um, I wrote about him for Sports Illustrated. Uh, he's averaging six targets a game since the bye week. Uh, look, Juju's been banged up. Uh, there's going to be more trust there. And the Steelers only play one top 10 pass defense against fantasy receivers the rest of the way. So he's somebody that, again, I'm not, I'm not saying he's an every week starter by any means. I'm just saying somebody you should pick up, put on your bench, has six for 90 and a touchdown in this game. Um, I, we're going to see them on Thursday night. It looks like James Conner's going to play. So that, again, knocks Jalen Samuels and those guys out of contention. Uh, warned you about Samuels just not being very good. He just does a lot of things okay. Uh, he's got good hands, but like he's not—he doesn't do anything to generate his own yardage. Like he's going to get exactly what is given to him and nothing more. I uh, did not have a special game here, but give the Steelers a lot of credit. I mean, they're in a playoff spot now. Mika Fitzpatrick still looks awesome. Uh, it's their defense is a must pick up. Have you looked at the schedule the rest of the way? If you get the Steelers defense the rest of the way, which I'm trying to do right now, in one of my leagues, and I'm, I don't even want to say this out loud because somebody listening is going to do it. <laughs> Their schedule is yeah. awesome. Now, we were talking about last week, the difference between fantasy football and real football. Their real football is catching up to their fantasy football. Their defense is playing really good because the offense is playing complementary football. They're not turning over. First downs, keeping them fresh. They rush the pass. They're getting a ton of turnovers. Minka Fitzpatrick is a freaking turnover machine in this defense. Like, them moving forward could be the difference in you winning your championship. And they're they're on the freaking waiver wire in a bunch of leagues. Yeah, but surprisingly, no. I mean, they, they're a top five fantasy defense all season. And so people haven't adjusted. They need to. Yeah, definitely need to adjust going forward. All right, the two primetime games were really, really fun to watch. Sunday night football, and then we'll get into Monday. I'm so mad at you guys. Instead of that page, I'm so pissed off at myself for listening to you. Sunday Please. night football. Sunday night football, the Dallas Cowboys and the Minnesota Vikings. The Minnesota Vikings go on the road and get a big victory, 28-24. to uh, The conversation around what's happening right now is Jason Garrett is getting a lot of heat for this loss because of the lack of – the lack of opportunities for this offense that are at, at he's been this is his ninth year as a head coach. Listen, I've never really been a big fan of Jason Garrett. I, I always thought he was kind of the reason that has held this team back. But man, Dak played a hell of a game. You kind of thought they put him in a position to win. And there is a lot of heat in Dallas right now as they took a loss to what has traditionally been the Kirk Cousins can't win against big can't win big games. 
This is a big game, and Kirk Cousins got a victory. Kirk Cousins doesn't win in prime time. He doesn't beat teams with winning records. He did both. He played great. I mean, the, the first touchdown to Kyle Rudolph, maybe one of the greatest catches I've ever seen, by the way. That thing was freaking awesome. But the jump sidearm pass across your body was pretty badass, too. Look, Dalvin Cook is a freaking monster. I've been on that train all year. He was the reason they won. Dak played great. And when it was time for Dak to make the play, which was my analysis of why I thought they'd win, because in clutch moments, Dak's better than Kirk. They took it out of his hands and gave it to Zeke and then it all night. How the hell does that make any sense? Like, coaching is – there's some fingers to be pointed at this week, and I'm never big on that. But you completely went away from your game plan, which was working. You can throw it on Minnesota a little bit. If you're not getting there and Dak was moving around, making throws on the run. And they took it out of his hands, and they lost. Big win for Minnesota. I mean, huge win for Minnesota. Go on the road, prime time, lean on your star, Dalvin Cook, and get it done. Loved him in the passing game, by the way. It was awesome. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, my, I mean, 97 yards on the ground, 86 through the air, gets the score. I mean, look, he's been everything you could have hoped for and more this year if you if you took him. I think the biggest takeaway from a fantasy side of things from the Minnesota standpoint is you have absolutely no freaking idea when Stephon Diggs is going to do anything. Yeah. Just no idea. <laughs> I, and, and to me, I'm looking at him as, again, they're different players, different styles, but as we used to look at Deshaun Jackson. Where at any given week, he can be a wide receiver one for you. But you're never going to know, and it's never going to make sense when it happens. It doesn't matter if Thielen's in the game, not in the game. You have no idea. So he's going to be ranked as in the mid to low level of wide receiver twos every single week, knowing that you're going to get either a 25-point game or a six-point game. Yeah. And it just it is what it is. Um, from a Dallas side of things, again, Cooper, Mark Cooper was amazing in this game. Good to see a bounce back from Randall Cobb, 6-1 or 6 and a touchdown. The, the, the receptions and targets have been there lately, but they just haven't been really deep downfield. Uh, and he's got a couple of touchdowns called back on him this year already, or his whole season will look a lot different. Uh, but uh, not much for Zeke in this game at all. Like, Dak's been really good again. Like, Dak's still going to be – Dak's going to finish the year as a top-10 fantasy quarterback again, and nobody's going to care. It's yeah. going to be this, one of the strangest things. You brought it up at the beginning of the season, though, that it would happen, or it, he would at least be close, because it happens consistently, and it's happened since he's been in the league. And like I said, the, that loss is on the coaching staff, because they took it away. Zeke, Minnesota went into that game and they decided they were going to shut Zeke down and that is what they did to the best of their ability because Zeke is a hell of a running back and they they should have let Dak in that moment who has proven in I mean he has he has some ridiculous fourth quarter statistics and game winning drive statistics I mean I don't know him off but he has he is one of the more clutch players in the NFL. And I don't know why they they just they didn't give him that opportunity. And man, oh man, Cowboys Twitter was mad after that game. It was uh, not fun for uh, for Dallas Cowboys fans. All right, what was the listen? The, I I was so excited to watch this game, and it lived up to his expectations. Uh, Seattle, San Francisco, overtime victory for the Seahawks. The MVP campaign continues. Russ gets a huge victory, gives the undefeated San Francisco their first loss of the season. And and like Jake said earlier, we talked about Lamar Jackson. He's he's in the Tier 2 conversation. There's one person in Tier 1, and it's Russell Wilson, and he's been unbelievable. Uh, Jake, your takeaways from, from a really good Monday Night Football game. Russell almost let somebody else in the conversation throw in a pick late in this game, but then he makes enough plays to win it with a bunch of dudes you've never heard of. A running back drafted in the seventh round that does nothing but fumble. Josh Gordon, who's the journeyman at this point that nobody wants, his superstar that he is, the more chemistry with, and his wife was sitting on the bench and apparently is hurt with a freaking tight end that was on the practice squad in September. Like, 
You look at what he's doing it with, with a decent offensive line at best, if I'm being it's nice. It's unbelievable. Dude, it's unbelievable. Their defense sucks. Jimmy Garoppolo should have played better in this game, had some opportunities, uh, got screwed on a couple plays on a couple of the picks that went right off guys' hands. They couldn't run it at all in Seattle, which was interesting. And Jaday Van Clowney was an absolute freaking monster. I was not big on that trade. They're going to have to pay him a ton of money. But watching last night, he opens it up for everybody else. He has to get paid a lot of money. I mean, Joe Staley is one of the best left tackles in football, and he just just made him look awful. He made him look like a junior high kid. He was everywhere. It was so fun to watch. Uh, San Francisco's defensive line, a ton of fun to watch. Just, I mean, you look at what Russell Wilson was playing with and who he was playing against to make enough plays to win that game, MVP hands down. Bad loss for San Francisco, though. They had this game in hand. They were up. Really shouldn't have even let them back in. I really think it's one more, more one San Francisco gave away than, than Seattle won. But I picked it. So, you know, I, put, I got 30 to 24. I picked Seattle. We didn't want to do our show yesterday, so we couldn't put it out there. Uh, so this awful week that I had was a little bit better with that win. But, man, what a, what a funny It was, and both teams had no idea what to do with the clock in overtime, which was always very extremely yeah. interesting to see how that how both teams, like, simultaneously tried to give this game to the other the other team. Uh, look, going forward, and this it's not going to matter for this season, but I think it's going to matter next year. Chris Carson has a hole under the damn ball. Yeah. He is way too talented. Neither does Rashad Bates. He got one carry. Fumble. Yeah, but Penny just kind of sucks. Yeah, he's well, not good in general. <laughs> Chris Carson's good, but fumbles. If, look, if, if Rashad Penny was drafted in the third round, nobody would care. No. And again, they, they overreached it. And, and they overreached at the time. They were, this wasn't a look back. This was a, in the moment. Like, what the hell are they doing drafting Rashad Penny in the first round? But if he was in the third round, he wouldn't even be in this conversation right now. It's because everyone keeps waiting for them to try to get a return on this investment. Carson has to stop fumbling because he's such a good. he's so good when he doesn't drop the ball. Um, Bobby Watson got hurt in this game. Looks like he's going to be okay. He had some w- a weird swelling in his leg he had to go to the hospital for. Um, he should be okay. And strong going for DK Metcalf. Um, I still want to see how many targets Josh Gordon takes away. Other than the fumble. Yeah, the fumble hurt big time. Fumble hurt. Josh Gordon looks like he could be a piece, though. That first play, he ran that slant on Richard Sherman, and Russell Wilson put it like knee-high, the only place you could throw it to complete it in overtime. Like, I, I Give him a little more time in that offense. That's going to be really interesting with those. Yeah, I just don't think their offense is going to sustain fantasy success for three receivers. So we're going to. No, 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 no. I don't think so either. It can't be both DK and Josh Gordon. Yeah. It might be alternating weeks or things like that, but I don't think it's going to be consistent. It will be Tyler Lockett when he's back, but I agree with you. It's going to be either or. Uh, And Jacob Hollister, I think, is a legit thing now. Uh, He's going to be that Redisley replacement. Uh, The tide turned last week. They had him on the field a lot more the last two weeks. They really trust him. Uh, eight for sixty-two and a touchdown here. Well, the Patriots could use somebody like that. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, but uh, so all, I'm say- all I'm saying is that the Patriots get credit for every move they make, regardless of whether it actually turns out to be good or not. But yep. I, I don't need to go back on that rant again. Um, but uh, Jacob Hollister, uh, I think, is a legit option. I think when they come back from the bye week, he's going to be ranked as a low-end tight end one, somebody that you you should pick up if you're in some tight end trouble here. Um, on San Francisco. Garoppolo, I still have no idea. The more I watch Jimmy Garoppolo, the more the less idea I know if yeah, he's Yeah, the good more or not. confused I am by him. He's gonna look really good again this week if Emmanuel Sanders is back against the Cardinals. But other than that, he hadn't looked that good all year. And there was he he made some throws last night. I was impressed. He got like I said, he got screwed by the receivers, but he was under so much pressure. You know, their offensive line is pretty solid. Both of their tackles were back. I mean, they were down to their fourth and fifth and sixth tackles the last couple weeks, and they kept winning. McGlinchey, the first-round pick, and Joe Staley were back last night. And I go back and watch the week before against a decent offensive line at best in, in Tampa. They had no pressure. 
Jameis Winston had one sack and nobody in his face the whole day. And last night they were all over Garoppolo. Like it was, it was really interesting. They got to fix that. And if you're telling me those are the two best teams in the NFC or two of them, you give me Carolina on a neutral field, the Vikings, the Cowboys, the Packers, this NFC playoff picture is going to be really, really interesting with which I said, I thought the saints were the best. They had a bad loss. Like, any of those teams could beat anybody else. On a yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, they're all in any place. Like, I don't think I don't think home field advantage is going to matter that much, other than maybe the yeah, Saints. That's true. Uh, on a couple other notes on the Niners. Uh, look, Brita, Brita's got hurt in this game. It looks like he might miss some time. He's going to get some of the second opinion. Uh, he's a guy that you can bench going forward. He's a guy that's I'm way down on. Uh, good to see Debo, Debo Samuel eight for one twelve. Obviously, he took a big advantage of Emmanuel Sanders being out. But they've been using him a little bit more the last few weeks. So he's somebody that... Really good running. Yeah, in deep league, you might want to just add him to your bench, especially if Emmanuel Sanders misses time. But uh, look, I think the biggest takeaway for me in this is that I, I still, and I'll go back to as you're going to say what our final thoughts are, I'm going to go back to the same thing. I have no idea who's going to come out of either of these conferences. I really don't, especially the NFC. Jake just rattled off all those names, and all those names are legitimate I'm not sure I want to put Dallas in that category anymore. I mean, they're good, but I don't know if they're win the NFC good the way they've been playing in the play calling. No, no, not win the NFC good. Just if they're in the playoffs and they got to go to any of those teams, if they got to go to San Francisco, I don't feel great about picking San Francisco. I don't think they're that much better than Dallas. Like, none of them seem to be like head and shoulders, and none of them have a huge home field advantage. I mean, you say Seattle does, but if you go back over the last couple of years, they really don't. It's really just New Orleans. But, I mean, if you look at five teams right now, the Niners, the Packers, the Saints, the Seahawks, the Vikings, I could make a compelling argument all five of those teams could come out of the NFC. Anyone. Yeah, for sure. And be a really bad matchup for anybody coming yeah. out of the AFC. I, I just – it's. I think this is exciting. This is what parity is. It's not what we had last year when I rallied against it. This is what parity is when legitimately – I know everybody wants to crown the Patriots, but – they're not going to have the easiest path of all time either when they start actually playing good teams in the postseason. Yeah, not only that, but that San Francisco team, right, they put a graphic up, and I, I'm pulling it up right now because I, I saw the the schedule that they put, right, because they're 8-0, they go into that game, obviously now they're 8-1. Now they play the Cardinals, who played them tight, again. They play the Green Bay Packers, they play the Ravens, they play the Saints, they play the Rams, they play the Seahawks. Like, they have a tough schedule. Down the stretch. Brutal. Like, it's brutal. And that 8-0 might be looking much different when we end up talking about this team at the end, at the beginning of January, because those are a lot of games where I'm I'm not so sure who's going to be winning that, those games. Uh, but I thought there was... They need Jimmy GQ to play like a superstar. And we, we all have... To be determined, right? He hasn't... That, I feel like Jamie does. The more I watch him, the more confused I am. I, I'm not I, I, I'm not sure, and I feel like there's tons of excuses, right, where it's, well, this guy went out, or the players are dropping passes, or whatever. And we all know that those excuses don't exist for quarterbacks. You get... No, they didn't run it very good either. Like, they run it 54% of the time more than anybody in the NFL, and they can't run it at all. Now, Breida's hurt. Coleman's back. Mostart looks like their best, most explosive guy, but he's been hurt, and he's back. Like, they got to figure it out because that offense doesn't scare anybody. Emmanuel Sanders helped, but they they don't – that offense doesn't scare anybody. No, wins and losses matter, and that's what you're going to get credit for no matter what, and that defense puts them in a position to have good field position, and they're going to continue to do that. It's a very, very talented defense, but – 
I'm still to be determined on that offense, and I think there's going to be a lot to learn about what that what that offense actually is moving forward as they play a lot of a lot of tough matchups. So, Jake, any we we've gone through all the games. Any other parting thoughts on today's podcast? Yeah, I think Jamie hit the nail on the head. I think this is the season that somebody figures it out. Like, say they're they got to win two or three to get in the playoffs, but they get healthy like December tenth. And they win those three games, get hot, get in, and they figure it out and it clicks. And watch out for whoever that team is. It, it, that could end up being Kansas City, who we had all this hype in the world. Somebody liked it. I just think it's, it's going to be one of those years where that last team, like 2010 Packers, 2005 Steelers, the Giants, when they did it, when they were all 10-6, and six, they were the last team in the playoffs, but they were hot and yeah. healthy. Whoever that team is, watch out. Because I don't think we have a clue right now playoff picture-wise, who's the favorite? No, we don't. Jamie, any parting thoughts? Uh, my only parting thoughts is that team could be the Chargers still. And yeah. I, I haven't fully I, – I, I'm off the train, but look, they have an opportunity here. You know, with Kansas City losing. Well, they have Kansas City this week. Yeah. So you can play one game of the division right. with that. You're only a game and a half back of a playoff spot. You're two back of the division. You, you can beat Kansas City and be with one back. And you come out of the bye and you've got the – at the Broncos, who at that point might be starting, uh, what's his face? Drew Locke. Drew Locke. At that point. And Derwin James back. You have at Jacksonville. You have home against the Vikings, which is brutal, but it's a home game at least. Yeah. I mean, well, whatever a home game is for the Chargers at least. Yeah. Uh, home against the Raiders. And then you finish the season in Kansas City. Yeah, you got a lot up. You have a chance. Yep. I mean, you could win. They, I mean, I, I wouldn't rule them out, especially if they get all, if they get healthy. Derwin James comes back. Melvin Gordon's starting to get going. You know, maybe a Keenan Allen get going. I that's a team that could be. If they'd have won last Thursday, no. I'd have said I said the same thing last week. But I, I don't know that loss to the Raiders. Did was no, high. That, that was bad. Bad. and look, they're still the Chargers. There's probably another bad loss or two along the way. But there are teams. You're right, though. I mean, they have the talent to get hot. They're they're the team exactly what I'm talking about. That could do something like that. Get healthy, get hot, get in. Yeah, there's there's a lot of opportunities here on both sides in the NFC and the AFC. It's wide open. If your team's in the hunt. You have a chance. That's where you are. That's it. everybody feels like they have a chance at this point. Uh, for the most part, other other than you know, there's a, there's a few of you we're not going to talk. Are three games back. Don't look. No, like don't look now. The Miami Dolphins. I I don't think that's the plan long term for the Miami. They Dolphins. They went out. So. Yeah, yeah, they went out. Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on Jamie. Twitter. And you can follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. And you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an eye on both Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow the show at TDN Fantasy underscore on Twitter and at TDN Fantasy on Instagram. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.